April 12th. Our reading in the New Testament today takes place in the book of Luke, chapter 15. Just before we begin the narrative, allow me to tell you what's going on here. These parables are Christ's defense of his ministry, explaining why he fellowshiped with sinners and even ate with them. See, he saw what they were. They were sheep that had gone astray and needed a shepherd to bring them home. They were lost coins, stamped with the image of God, needing to get back into circulation again. And they were disobedient sons, who were wasting their inheritance and needed to come back home to the Father. Jesus saw how they got that way. See, sheep are foolish animals, and naturally go astray. But the spiritual shepherds in Israel had not faithfully ministered to them. The woman lost the coin because of carelessness, and the son was lost because of his willfulness. The father did not search for the boy, but let him learn his lessons the hard way and discover how good it was back home. And then as we have our reading today in Luke 15, we'll see that he saw what they could be. He saw the potential. Jesus always saw the potential in people. The sheep could be brought back to the flock and bring joy to the shepherd. The coin could be found, and the son could return home and lovingly serve his father. There is hope for every sinner, because Jesus welcomes everyone. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. April 12th, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 32. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. So Jesus used this illustration. If you had one hundred sheep, and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the ninety-nine others to go and search for the lost one until you found it? and then you would joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. When you arrived, you would call together your friends and neighbors to rejoice with you, because your lost sheep was found. In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over ninety-nine others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten valuable silver coins and loses one, Won't she light a lamp and look in every corner of the house and sweep every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors to rejoice with her because she has found her lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs 
looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired men have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the calf we were fattening and has prepared a great feast. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have worked hard for you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you and I are very close, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I am horrified at the lack of fear in most of our lives. I am horrified at those who have no relationship with Christ, who have no prayer in their lives, no understanding of the Word of God, no growth in the objective realities of Christ in their life, and yet file into churches every week and sing songs and lift their hands and get involved in a thousand church activities, never even bothered by the fact that they don't know God. I mean, I don't even know how it happened to us. No evidence of Christ in our lives, no nearness of God to our hearts, simply us doing religious things despite the fact that our mind haunts us at night. Despite the fact that night after night after night, we contend that tomorrow, tomorrow is the day that we pray, tomorrow is the day that we press into Him, tomorrow is the day that we find Him, all the while praying that every night or thinking it every night. Oh, God, forgive me. I know I didn't press into you today. Playing a game with God. I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. And I don't know where it came from in teaching. Well, yeah, I do. You know, we boiled Christianity into witchcraft, and here's how we've done it. We give you this little card that says, pray the sinner's prayer, and you're in. And so then people quote that thing, man. It's like a mantra. Put on the cloak, bring in the lamb. Quote after me, dear God, dear God, I am a sinner, I am a sinner. 
Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. All right. Welcome. Do I have to do anything else? Yeah, be baptized. <laughs> or sprinkle, whatever. All right, wherever you're at. We, we're immersion folk here. Then you're in? Well, yeah. No. No. And I am horrible. Well, I, I know. It's, it's that narrow is the path and few find it. I, I hate that text. I know that in this room and all over Dallas and all over the Bible Belt, there are hundreds of thousands of people who have been in church their whole life and know no more of God than the pagan who's been in the bar his whole life. Because this thing is more like the Rotary Club to us. It's what we do kind of for good works. It's kind of what we do to alleviate some of the pressure of life on us. And there's no wrestling. And there's no struggle. And listen, C.S. Lewis put it better than I ever could. We're like kids in the ghetto playing with mud pies. And we have no idea what is meant by a holiday in the sea. So we've got this living God to bring the analogy into modern times. You've got this living God that says, come and know me. Come and grow in confidence with me. Boast in the fact that you know me. Let me fill your heart. I am an inexhaustible fountain of joy. Walk with me. Let me work in you. Let me deliver you. Let me save you. Let me stretch you. And we go, nah, I'm all right. Just trying not to cuss when I drive. Nah, you know, I'm all right. Listen, hey, 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 God, all right. I'm in Sunday school. I'm in a small group and I'm taking notes. And that's what, remember when I quoted just a second ago, Jeremiah saying that the heavens shudder with great horror? The next part of the text says this, they shudder with great horror because my people have committed two sins. They have dug their own wells that bring no water, and they have forsaken me, the living water. And that's what's happened, man. I mean, whether you never come back to this church or not, this is the epidemic that plagues American Christianity. That it's been boiled down to you saying a neat prayer without there ever being any objective evidence in your heart because we don't want you to have to wrestle or fight and we want salvation to come right now. That's never been true historically. So what happens in this kind of world is that we, we end up reading the Bible like it's the paper. You know? Whoosh. Oh. See, David killed the Goliath. That's good. Back here in business, I see that I'm supposed to tie. Oh, tie. No, I'm going to go back here to sports. Okay, I see. And so we just read. We read and we read and we read. We don't digest. We don't think. We don't meditate. We don't try to encounter the living God. We just read the thing like it's a Grisham novel. Today, we're reading in Psalm 81, where we'll learn about the things that were. This section is an invitation for the people to participate in a joyful celebration, probably a Passover. Asaph gave them two reasons for sharing. It was God's ordinance and gratitude all God had done for them. It's good to set aside special times to meditate on the work of the Lord in your life, even today. And... We'll see the things that are. 
In spite of all that God did for His people, they would not listen to His word or do His will. One of God's most painful judgments is to permit you to have your own way. Now, for a time, you enjoy it, and then you learn how much you have missed, and will see the things that might have been. Had they obeyed, they would have experienced victory instead of defeat, fullness instead of emptiness, and the best instead of the worst. They could have looked back with rejoicing, but instead, they had to remember with regret. See, the things that might have been will be if today you let the Master have His way. Psalm chapter 81, verses 1 through 16. For the choir director, a psalm of Asaph, to be accompanied by a stringed instrument. Sing praises to God, our strength. Sing to the God of Israel. Sing, beat the tambourine. Play the sweet lyre and the harp. Sound the trumpet for a sacred feast. When the moon is new, when the moon is full, for this is required by the laws of Israel. It is a law of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree for Israel when he attacked Egypt to set us free. I heard an unknown voice that said, Now I will relieve your shoulder of its burden. I will free your hands from their heavy tasks. You cried to me in trouble, and I saved you. I answered out of the thundercloud. I tested your faith at Mirabah when you complained that there was no water. Listen to me, O my people, while I give you stern warnings, O Israel, if you would only listen. You must never have a foreign god. You must not bow down before a false god. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their blind and stubborn way, living according to their own desires. But oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before Him. Their desolation would last forever. But I would feed you with the best of foods. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 1 A wise child accepts a parent's discipline. A young mocker refuses to listen.